0: Today's scripture is from the book of Genesis. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they saw that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He said, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said to him, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten the fruit from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she's the one who gave me the fruit. And I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. These are the words of God from long ago, told for all the people today. Thanks be to God.
1: So we're toward the middle end of a sermon series called In the Beginning. We've been exploring the first three books Uh, excuse me, the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, uh, which we understand are really foundational for our understanding of life as we know it, of the world that we live in. On the first week together, we asked the questions, who made all there is, and why does something and not nothing exist? Who made all there is, and why is there something and not nothing? Who made all there is? God did. And why is there something and not nothing? Because God is good and wants to share in that goodness. Last week, we asked ourselves the question what are human beings for? We could do a lot of things. What are we here for? What are we supposed to be doing? The scriptures point to a beautiful truth that human beings are stewards. We are here to take care of the world that God has given us and to take care of one another. Today, we're going to ask ourselves how did the world get so broken? who, why, what, and now how. As we go to the scripture and and go to what God has to say for us, let's pray together. God, we thank you for all the ways that you spoke and speak and are still speaking. May you move through us in the power of your Holy Spirit in this time so that we hear your word of challenge and your word of hope and your word of possibility. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, amen. Did y'all read or listen to or have read to you Mrs. Piggle Wiggle when you were kids? No? Okay, I heard some yes, some no. Okay, here's who she is. She is the main character in a series of children's books from the 1940s. She is a small and round and wonderful woman who is beloved by every child in her neighborhood. Her neighborhood is full of children, and they love to come to her upside-down house because her chandeliers are on the floors, and there's buried treasure in the garden, and there's a pony, and some dogs, and some cats. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle loves these children. She loves them. And sometimes these children make really good choices. But sometimes they make not-so-good choices. And when they make those not-so-good choices, their mothers are desperate for help. Help my kids make good choices. Who do they call? They call Mrs. Pigglewiggle, and she gives them cures. Cures. Bobby, Larry, and Susan Gray never want to go to bed, for example. And their mother is in despair. When it is bedtime, they fuss and they fight. There is whining, there is crying, there is yelling. Does this sound familiar to any of you from your current or past? Maybe this is how you feel when your person tries to make you go to bed. So their mother calls Mrs. Pigglewiggle, and Mrs. Pigglewiggle suggests the never-want-to-go-to-bed cure. And so when bedtime rolls around... The children are allowed to stay up as late as they like, and so they do. And it's awesome for the first few days. They play cards and checkers into the wee hours of the night. They fall asleep on their board games. They've got the imprint of chess pieces on their faces. They are grouchy at school, and they miss a birthday party. And it is at that point when they have missed out on cake and ice cream, they decide to themselves, maybe bedtime isn't so bad after all. Learning to make choices is part of growing up. Today, we hear the story of humanity growing up from Genesis chapter 3 the story of humanity growing up. This is a story that takes place in the garden which God has carefully and lovingly created and filled with every good thing. Every tree that is pleasant to the sight, every food that is good, the tree of life is right there in the middle, the tree of knowledge, of knowing what is good and what is not good. We see that God makes the first human the man. God places him in the garden, These things are the good things to eat, God says, and these are the not good things. These are the things that will bring life. These things won't. And yet in the midst of this, God recognizes that aloneness isn't humanity's ideal situation. It's not good for people to be alone. So God makes birds and animals and sea creatures, but they're not the right partner. So God makes another human, and that is it. God has cracked the code. Humanity, it seems needs other humanity. Humans need other humans. They're naked. They're not ashamed in either body, mind, or spirit. And then in the story, the humans encounter a serpent, one of God's creatures. Scripture says that the serpent is crafty. We could also translate this same word from Hebrew as prudent. Knows a thing or two. Strikes up a conversation with the woman. What did God really say? Well, we're not supposed to eat it. And she adds here, she adds, we're not even supposed to touch it. Have you ever exaggerated a command that you've been given? <laughs> or we're going to die. You won't die, but your eyes will be opened. You'll grow up. You'll gain wisdom. You'll know good, and you'll know bad. And so the woman makes a choice, and so does the man. They take and they eat. And it is a choice, friends, that is given to them. Because after all, God wouldn't tell them not to do something if they couldn't do it. They had an option. The choice is theirs. And so their eyes are opened mentally, physically, emotionally. They know they're naked. They clothe themselves. And when God looks for them, walking into the garden where they often walk together, they're hiding from God. They made their choice, and now they have to deal with what comes next, the consequence of their choice. And in this story, at least, it's fear and separation and shame. I don't know about you. I've been around the church a long time and I have heard this story interpreted all kinds of ways, all kinds of ways. Some of them which impact me personally, but that's not the point. I will say that some of the ways that this story gets told are more helpful than others and some of them are more faithful than others, accurate. This is a story that's been used to blame women and women only for all kinds of trouble been used to shame and blame lots of people over the years. Maybe each of the ways that we tell this story has a sliver of truth, but the way that I most connect and engage with this scripture is to think about it in this way. Is so it really what this is? Is a conversation about the consequences of our choices. Consequences of our choices. Our choices have consequences. Do you know this? Have you experienced this once or twice? Mm-hmm. Your choices have consequences. Sometimes the consequences of our choices are neutral, right? They have no value one way or another. A choice in and of itself is a neutral thing. The choice of ordering a hot tea is that you have yourself a hot tea and you are happy. You get a haircut, you have a haircut. All right. Sometimes the consequences of our choices are relatively harmless. You refuse to go to bed. You're gonna sleep through the birthday party and miss the cake and ice cream. That's how it goes. But sometimes the consequences of our choices are far from harmless. Sometimes our choices and their consequences are harmful. Our choices harm us. They harm us mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. We experience harm in our hearts, in our homes, in our relationships, in our world. Because of the choices that we make, our choices have consequences. Sometimes our choices harm someone else, someone's else. Maybe we've set out to do it, maybe we haven't. Sometimes we're at the receiving end of a harm based on someone else's choice. Choices that cause harm, that's the conversation that we're having as we meet our first humans. Sometimes the choice of our consequence, the consequence of our choice is sin. That's a word that we throw around a lot. If you look at what it means in the scripture, it means to miss the mark, that there's an intention that God has for each one of us, for you and for me, an intention that God has for all of humanity. we are God's stewards. And sometimes we don't hit the mark. Sometimes we miss it. How come that's so? It's because God gave you and me. God gives us. God will always give us free will. Free will. We're not puppets on strings, friends. We don't dance to the tune of a God who pulls each and every string of our lives at each and every moment. We get to act without constraint. We get to act without a certain predetermined fate. We get to act at our own discretion. This is part of being made in God's image. Did you know? Just as God has a choice, so do we. This is an essential part of our human story, an essential part of our DNA. God gives human beings free will. Why? Why? so that we can choose God just like God chose us. Because a relationship without choice isn't really a relationship at all. God puts human beings into the world, a garden where we get to exercise our ability to choose God. God puts God's self in our lives so that we can be in relationship with God, so that we can know and understand and trust that God has good things for us at heart. God has our best interest in mind. And then God steps back and lets us grow up and watch what we're going to do. God gives us a choice. Eat or don't. Choose to trust. trust that God knows what God is doing, God knows what God is talking about, or choose not to trust. Choose good, what God declares is good, not what we decide is good, or choose maybe what's not so good. Choose to listen to God, or choose to listen to other voices. How did we get here? not here on this earth, that's not the conversation we're having today, but how did we get here, like in this time and in this place, when so much is hurt and when so much is broken? How did we get to a place where every time we turn on the news, we're hearing about another way that we are hurting and harming one another, politically, institutionally, Globally there is hurt and harm. There is division at every level of our government. There is division in our homes There is the hurt and the harm that we cause the created world. It's like we're lost. Have you ever been lost? I get lost like every day. I need to tell you (laughs) We're trying to look at the map. We're trying to figure out where did we take the wrong turn? How did I get where I am in a place where I did not intend to be we had a choice Go my way or go god's way and we chose our way. Whether we realize it or not, if we're aware of it or not, we think we know better. I had a professor in seminary um, point out to us once, put it this way, because we're human, we fall for the finite good, the allure of the finite good, and not the infinite good. We choose the finite good, not the infinite good. How did we get here? We chose the finite. We chose the here and now. We chose the thing that is right in front of us, the thing that is easy, instead of choosing the infinite good, which is God. Sin happens. We miss the mark for God's intention for us, the mark of caring for one another and caring for the creation when we take the easy way out, when we choose the finite good instead of the infinite good. It is really easy to look for a quick fix instead of a long-term solution. We do it in our homes. We do it with our laws. We do it all the time. It's less mentally taxing to think about what we know best to just rely on our own wisdom than it is to seek God's wisdom, because you have to do it over and over again. It's easier to pursue what feels good for us in the moment than to do something that's going to benefit us in the long run. How did we get here? We've looked for the finite good instead of seeking after God's infinite goodness. So what's there to do? I love what the people in the scripture do. It just feels so real and so human. We could do what the man and the woman do they point fingers. God says, Where are you? And what have you done? And the man blames the woman, and the woman blames the serpent. And there's just this whole thing that happens. This is what human beings do. We blame one another when we're scared, don't we? We look for a scapegoat when we feel attacked. How well have you seen this play out? There's always somebody to blame. There's another country. There's another people group that's the cause of all of the fear and the anxiety that we experience. That's one thing that we could do. That's a choice that we could make. I don't think it's a very good choice, but we could. What is ours to do? It's ours to choose God. It's ours to choose God and to choose the way that God shows us to choose the stewardship that God offers to us, to choose the love and the hope and the forgiveness that God offers us. It's ours to choose God. But we're going to need to ask for God's help to do it, I will tell you right now. (laughs) It's going to take a lot of courage to say, look, God, I've wandered off the map somewhere. (laughs) I need your help finding my way. It takes a lot of courage to trust God's voice, to trust that, in fact, God does know best. It takes a lot of courage to say, I messed up. I'm sorry. Would you give me your grace to help me? Unless we ask God to show us, all we're going to do is get a glimpse of our own tendencies. We need courage to pursue all that's in us, to root out all that is not of God and surrender it to God by God's grace. We need the courage. I'll tell you what's not ours to do. It's not ours to save ourselves. It's not ours to save ourselves. That's God's job. God seeks us out, just like God did those first folks in the garden. God comes to them. God doesn't leave them alone. God walked with them before, and God will walk with them still. If you read a little bit later in the chapter 3, you'll see that God clothes them with love and care and compassion, as well as animal skin. God's presence is continually offered to them, even though they're flawed even though they're vulnerable, even though they're human. If we focus just on the middle of the story, right where we stopped the scripture reading today, that's where it all goes wrong. And what we miss is the hope. We miss the hope that God continues to walk with people, continues to engage with people, God continues to love people, even in the midst of their flaws, as they're growing up and becoming the responsible people that God has called them to be. Even when we don't choose God, God chooses us. God makes a way. And God will make a way thousands of years later. God seeks them out through a manger and through a cross, through the redemption of every choice, every consequence. We get to celebrate this love and this choosing at the table, where we come and we celebrate the way that Jesus chooses each and every one of us. It's through him that we are freed. We are freed. So friends, let's continue to choose God, and may God give us the grace to do so. Thanks be to God. Amen.